0: Welcome to On the Issues with Michelle Goodwin at Ms. Magazine, a show where we report, rebel, and you know we tell it just like it is. On this show, we center your concerns about rebuilding our nation and advancing the promise of equality. Join me as we tackle the most compelling issues of our times. On our show, History Matters, we examine the past as we think about the future. And in this episode, we bring a tribute to Anita Pointer, She passed away on New Year's Eve 2022. We were kept in close contact about her health by her brother, Fritz Pointer. Anita was a friend of our show. She was a guest on our show. She was a feminist and civil rights supporter and activist. She embodied the principles of feminism and advancing women's rights. These were matters that were central to her life and we heard from her sister Ruth who wrote the following which we were permitted to share dear fans friends and music lovers all around the world it breaks my heart to tell you that my beautiful and talented sister Anita has passed she will be greeted by our two other sisters June and Bonnie and our precious daughter Jada the pain is so deep I have no words except for a beautiful song you sang lead on, freedom. I love you forever, big sister. Ruth, rest in paradise. And we at Ms. Magazine and Ms. Studios have decided that we would rerun this very special episode for us and all of our listeners where Anita and Fritz Pointer joined together to lift up Juneteenth and to celebrate their family memoir, fairy tale, and to share behind the scenes information that otherwise none of us would know. They speak with such passion and such verve and such love for each other. I was very grateful to be part of that conversation. And in this episode, we are also serenaded by Anita Poynter, what an incredible leader, feminist, businesswoman. We were really grateful to have her in our company at Ms. Magazine and Ms. Studios.
1: So right. it
0: is wonderful to be with you, Fritz Pointer and Anita Pointer. Oh my goodness. Hello. Oh, my pleasure.
1: We are. We are I'm excited. To to be here with you. It,
0: it yes. is a thrill. And I'm holding in my hands right now Fairy Tale the pointer sisters family story it's amazing and our listeners will be able to go to the website (laughs) yes there it is there it is and and look at the book (laughs) and order the book so let's turn to a discussion about your new award-winning memoir fairy tale the pointer sisters family story the memoir chronicles your coming of age story as artist. Yeah. And 48-year musical career, that cannot be. Um, yeah,
2: be, yeah, be.
0: Cannot be, and yeah. Yeah. It, like, oh, my goodness. I mean, we
2: started at the end in, in the 60s. Amazing, you know,
0: yeah. amazing. It's never stopped until 2015 for me in the book you describe the challenges you face to get where you are today the joy of making music trials and tribulations of the music industry and your journey navigating economic social cultural and political realities and change so i want to just start there you got started in the 60s what was it like getting started and what motivated you to get on stage
2: well, I, what motivated me is I saw my sisters, Bonnie and June singing at Fillmore West in San Francisco. They were with the Northern California state youth choir. And that's the choir that had to hit out Oh happy day.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I saw them performing and I lost my mind. I just wanted to be up there <laughs> with them so bad. I wanted, I was crying. So I, I couldn't, you know, I, I just couldn't take it. I wanted to be in that choir. So the next day I quit my job and I joined the choir. My goodness, was what was the job risky. that you quit? What, what job was that? Blake, Matwire Ma- Ma- and Sweeney and a law office in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And I was receptionist studying to be a legal secretary. I had gone to several seminars and I was wanting to be a legal secretary, but um, that took it for me. When and when I saw that chance, I said, I gotta take this chance. And I took it and I joined the choir Okay, we rehearsed for a few weeks and then we were on our way to New York and to perform with the choir. But the morning of the trip and mama had gotten a little loan to give me and Bonnie and June a little cash to take on the road, $300, (laughs) a hundred a piece. (laughs) But but we were ready to go. Our bags were packed and at the door and someone called and told my mother that uh, the trip has been canceled. Oh my goodness. We were ready to leave that
0: moment.
1: Yes, yes. How devastating. So
0: then I had to go get another job. My goodness. (laughs) All right. So let's pull back a little bit for our audience so that they understand um the family. So Fritz, why don't we start with you with tell us a little bit about the family, the brothers, the sisters, the parents. What's the family story?
1: Well, you know, we tell we we introduce the family in the book. Uh in Oakland, California, we, we uh, came out to Oakland from Arkansas, from Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And uh, our parents were part of the Great Migration. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so when we got to Oakland uh, and uh, lived at a couple of places, even in the projects in Oakland, actually, but then our family started growing and parents had to get another house. And so we got a house uh, in Oakland on 18th Street. And before too long, we had other relatives coming from Arkansas, our grandparents, uh, our, well, our, our, our uncles and aunt, uh, mm-hmm. uh, my, my, my mother's uh, uh, brother and brother. his wife and their children. And right. so as it ended up, there were, ended up being 15 of us in this house. 15. 15, honey.
0: Yeah.
1: And I mean, we had a ball.
0: We sure did. I mean, we there's sure
1: nothing did. greater, particularly for a young guy, to grow up with four sisters.
0: My goodness. And
2: four-
1: Four fine <laughs> sisters who get fine friends.
0: Uh, uh, <laughs> so, and so, so
2: yes, oh, Lord, so,
1: so the Pointer household <laughs> was a happy household in spite of our uh, you know relative poverty. Uh, our mother had to work yeah. in the fields and go down to the fields and pick beans and strawberries and all kinds of
0: stuff to feed us. Mm-hmm. And- this was mm-hmm. in California. so this in is not California. part of the yeah. Arkansas yeah. story. This no, is your this mother was, after was the move was after the move yeah. in California. California. Mm-hmm. Oh
2: yes.
1: oh yes. And so we uh, you know, we we were not uh, wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but we were a happy family. The singing mm-hmm. around the house, our mother sang I know all it. the time. You know, she <laughs> would sing no matter what.
0: She and sure our dad did.
1: Dad was, was quite the disciplinarian, but also a calm and. Tragic. And what was your dad yeah. doing?
0: Was he also doing agriculture? Was he doing something else?
1: No, he our dad preaching. at the time uh, worked. He was uh, first worked at General Electric uh, in Oakland. Yeah,
2: he sure and
1: did. He at General Electric until uh, you know the, the church was able to uh, you know give afford him a, a you know a, a salary of a modest salary but he he hadn't he had he had another job yes
0: mm-hmm. yeah. uh, he, he had so to have that other job and you know to. since we're celebrating yeah. Juneteenth too it matters <laughs> something that you said fritz was which is that the family came from arkansas and that it was part of that great north migration it's going to help people to understand what that was about. Why were Black folks mm. leaving Arkansas? Why did your family have to leave?
1: Well, I'll say that quickly, and I'll let Anita, you know, get uh, in, in on this too. Uh, I remember my grandfather, uh, and by, by the way, Granddaddy Fritz, he was called.
2: My mm, uh, Granddaddy Fritz. And Granddaddy Fritz <laughs> would
1: say, you know, either I am going to kill somebody or I'm going to be killed because I cannot stand this, uh, he didn't add all this, but but that's what he, based upon the Jim Crow system there and the fact that our mother was a very, uh, well, we sure biased, but a very attractive woman. And he said, I've got to protect my daughter. And so we've got to move, we cannot stay here. Either Either somebody's gonna kill us or we're gonna get killed because we cannot stand this system.
0: Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. we
1: we got, you know packed up and uh, at least our family did packed up and moved to oakland california there so were we, lots, lot yeah. so and started. you said there was a
2: story where you said uh, they tried to take the house saying he yes, hadn't made his they, mortgage payments
1: that's right and lucky I,
2: luckily he had
0: saved every receipt
1: yes mm-hmm. that's right that's right
0: and so, so within your, your family you have that jim crow story cuz yeah. that's a Jim Crow story right with families being threatened with being removed from their house and when you talk about again to help our listeners understand when you're talking about great you know granddaddy Fritz saying that <laughs> yeah. he has to protect his daughter he's not yeah. just talking about protect his daughter because oh she's going to go on a date we're talking about right. the fact that black women were regularly and routinely raped and subjected to sexual mm-hmm. assault And so it was granddaddy protecting (coughs) his daughter from the prospect Uh of that. And then no one being punished for doing those kinds of things. So, so Anita, the family arrives in Mm -hmm. California and there are siblings. Give us the order of the siblings. Who are the siblings?
2: (laughs) Aaron's the oldest brother. Okay. Fritz is next. Fritz is the younger brother and then Ruth is next and I then I'm number 4 and then Bonnie and June was
0: the baby and June was the baby and mm. ultimately you all after you get so excited seeing your sisters on stage that you quit your job at the law firm
2: <laughs> i sure did
0: and and it's so to point, take the chance you had to take the chance and so many of our listeners so many women sort of confront that like point about when they have to take a chance, but you took a chance and eventually you all took a chance and you became the Pointer Sisters. Tell us about mm-hmm. that evolution. How did you become the Pointer Sisters?
2: Well, we were the little Pointer Sisters in church, but <laughs> even though we were never little, we were the big, the big little Pointer Sisters. <laughs> but um, we, me and Bonnie and June started doing backup singing. And we did a, a lot in the studio in San Francisco. Different groups: uh, Taj Mahal, Elvin Bishop, uh, Grace Je- Grace Slick. Wow. Um, Esther Phillips. Esther Phillips, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Sylvester and his hot band. Oh my gosh! Uh-huh. Yeah, we worked with him, and and you know we. I always felt, and <clears throat> I always felt like one of these days we are going to be up front but that was a great tool for learning how to be in the back mm-hmm. and how to treat people who are behind you. You know, wow. it really, really made a t- total difference because we didn't come out doing no diva crap. You know, we were just, right. we knew what it felt like to be the backup. Right. And, and
0: yeah. Yeah. And not, a, and, and it's rare, isn't it? That Backup singers make their way to the front. That's That's the truth. That's so true. And
2: especially when there's three of them, usually they break the groups up and one comes out, you know, and the rest of the group kind of fades away.
0: Mm -hmm. But that didn't uh, happen for you. What was the break? What what was it that got you to the front?
2: We were performing backup singing with Elvin Bishop at the Whiskey A Go-Go here in L.A. And Jerry Wexler, who was Aretha's producer at the time, saw us with Elvin Bishop and called our manager, who was David Rubinson, and told him, I want those girls. I want to sign them. I want to sign these girls tonight. And he got the deal right away. And we were off and gone to New Orleans first and then to Jackson, Mississippi. Our first big record deal came from Jerry Wexler.
0: Wow, and were you surprised when it happened?
2: Yeah, but I knew it was coming someday. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just kind
2: of surprised it happened that way, you know, not like in an office where we're sitting down negotiating and all this kind of stuff, you know, but yeah, but I was just so honored that Aretha's producer liked us. Um, Liked us enough to want to sign us to his his, uh, record label and that was Atlantic Records. And that was the first deal we got. And what year was that. that? Do you remember? Ooh. Oh, now, God.
1: 71, I believe. Or it could have been 69, but it but earlier. Yeah. On. Like around
2: 1969,
0: 70, 69, I think it was. I don't 69. even remember what year that was. Mm-hmm. So you got your, your first deal then, and, and so Fritz, where are you in all of this? So they've got their deal because at some point you're, you're on the road with them. At some point you're wearing a manager's hat (laughs) before you just have too much of it uh,
1: It's not easy, you know, uh, working with family, you know, particularly the young sisters, you know, um, uh, and, and, and I, I, it took me a while to understand and to realize really and to be really conscious of the stature that they had achieved and so when they were doing carol Burnett and flip wilson and the share show well to me it was like hey you know okay so okay it wasn't I, I really didn't quite comprehend the the bigness of it if you will and so uh you know I, they, they hired me as a road manager because I needed work, first of all, and I appreciated that so much. But then uh, as a road manager, I had certain responsibilities that I tended to uh, shirk because I, <laughs>
0: because
1: I was a college-educated dude. And so, uh, you know, I would just sitting reading my New York Times and they're saying, hey, you gotta take this stage floor. It's got holes in it. You didn't see those. You didn't see those holes in the stage. Well, this was in New York City, at the Madison Square Garden. I said, But anyway, that was my first faux pas. The next one was when they were doing the Carol Burnett show and asked me, uh, you know, during a break, if I would go get some burgers. And I said, hey, I'm reading my New York Times here. Can I finish my New York <laughs> And then, I don't know who said it, it may have been June. I said, "But look, we're stars, (laughs) Fritz. We're stars. Sounds
2: like June. (laughs) So I did
1: put that damn paper down to go get us some
2: hamburgers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that was, you know, that was kind of a writing on the wall that it was time for me to, you know, head maybe off into another.
0: Uh Time for you (laughs) to to (laughs) head into academia. And those holes in the floor matter because they're dancing. Be, oh yeah, that's we awesome. always look out for that. Oh, yes, man.
2: indeed. So, and they are
0: So, I'm wondering how we fit in. Then something else. So, you've got a loving family that's yeah, all yeah. together in Oakland. You got this musical talent that's coming out in church and whatnot. This, mm-hmm. in part, I'm just tiptoeing back a little bit here. Yeah. And uh, at some point, we've got. Bonnie and you, Anita, being founding members of the Northern California Black Panther Party.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So how does Uh, that
0: come about? And Fritz, you're involved. Through Fritz. Fritz. Exactly, Fritz, Fritz That's how
2: I got involved, through my brother, Fritz. He was teaching when he came back from college, and he was teaching Black history to Black kids in Oakland who had never had any Black history you know, we didn't get nothing in school except you are. You're from cotton pickers. That's what you're all about. That's all you contributed making to this country. And
1: making peanut
2: butter. And making peanut butter. That was it.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, but Fritz yeah. got me involved, and we were friendly with the pack, with the Panther Party, but we were a different group. We yeah. Fritz was into a more teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of fighting. You no, know, yeah. we. You know, he wasn't promoting guns, and he was promoting education and learning.
1: I was very fortunate, Michelle, to have a mentor. Uh, His name was Dr. Mutavonna Patterson. And uh, he was a PhD from Berkeley, California. And he was so close. We were brothers. We traveled to Africa uh, three times together. We went to Libya. We went to Egypt. We went to Tanzania together. And he was my mentor. And he advised me because (laughs) Oakland It was a very, and, and is still, a very uh, sophisticated city politically. And the infrastructure Mm -hmm. was very highly developed politically with all kinds of organizations, including the NAACP and Urban League and CORE and RAM and SNCC and Mm -hmm. uh, Muslims. and, And all of those were there, the Paul Robeson Society. And my mentor took me to all these different organizations to meet their leadership, but he advised me not to join any of them. He said you should know who they are but don't join any of them and mm-hmm. i understand that uh, now and understood it a little bit later that it, it allowed me to work with anybody <laughs> it allowed mm-hmm. me right to work with yeah without being <clears throat> into mm-hmm. a particular uh, mold mm-hmm. and i think if there is another theme that comes out of our uh, family and that is a fierce individualism there is a fierce individualism among my sisters <laughs> I mean, yes. They, they well, you could uh,
0: see it even how they took to yeah. the stage—that fierce yes. individualism. Yes. <laughs> we yeah. were so different. The way
1: they dressed, and Nita would perhaps give you some background on the uh, uh, Esther Phillips encounter.
2: Oh. Which,
1: oh God! I mean, oh dear. Well, we were
2: being practical. We we were getting this little fifteen dollars a show, <laughs> and <laughs> wow! And we use that to get us a little bit of something to eat and save it up to pay our rent. But she told, she gave us that and told us to go to Learner's, this cheapy Christ, uh, store in Oakland. And she said, "Go to Learner's and buy you some outfits for the stage. Get something that's matching." <laughs> we were coming on stage with our bell-bottom jeans, with the Rolling Stones tongue on the back on the booty, <laughs> and <laughs> we were rock and roll, you know. <laughs> but that was not what she wanted. She wanted us to. Dresses like she she wore evening gowns, and we we're up there yeah. in jeans. But well, yeah. we didn't have money to buy no new wardrobe. You know, we had been performing in jeans with Elvin Bishop, with, with Taj Mahal, with all the San Francisco people that we worked with at that time. They accepted us
0: in jeans. Well, not Esther well, Phillips. You know, and we're going to come back to the, the the stage presence because you all also did something that folks call the crossover and stuff like that too. As you were talking about, you were already rock and roll but i you know start off with this question with regard to the panthers because you also were educated and you brought a vision of education and you're absolutely right fritz you know in thinking even about the panthers and their early work was about educating kids providing free lunches to kids all these things that weren't being done and i wonder then how being politically aware being socially aware being committed to the uplift of black people, how that informed then your music as you started out, was that ever part of the backdrop in terms of thinking about the formation of the Pointer Sisters?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I would say that first hit Anita, I'm gonna let Anita take it from here though, but that first hit, yes, we can can. Anita has some lyrics in there that I think expresses the kind of political commitment that she's, Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, displayed most of her adult life. How can you sit there?
2: What's the rest of it? Like there's nothing to do. Like you don't care what this world's coming to. Oh, Lord. Oh my gosh. So many many needy, so many poor, but love and understanding is the key to the door.
0: Oh my gosh. And with lyrics like this audience, and do respect the women of the world remember all you have wow. mothers we got to yes. make this land a better land than the yeah. world in which we live oh my gosh it gives me chills <laughs> uh the lyrics from me that too. song <laughs> yes does it? yes me too it does. i mean, it's very know, good it,
1: I, I've said to Anita, I said to herself, I said, Anita, you're a grioté. People know about griots,
2: <laughs> but they don't know
1: about the griotés, the women poets and singers of Africa.
2: <laughs> and I
1: said, Anita, you are a grioté, because her lyrics, her words are so profound. And uh, you know, I would put her oh. up against the best of poets in terms oh, of her, just you, her workers. She's just been, I mean, her words are just amazing. Like that fairy tale that she wrote. Yeah. (laughs) Elvis said what what did Elvis say about? Elvis
2: said it was the story of his life. Yes, yes. yeah. Fairy tale. And he recorded it on his Elvis Today album. It's on his
0: Elvis Today album. That's amazing. And I
2: never got to meet him, but I was sure glad he did my song. I was really thrilled with
0: that. Well, well, let's let's talk about that. So we've got the Pointer Sisters end up being formed. You get your first. Um, contract. And does the group start off as the four or start off as the three?
2: Four. Ruthie came in, well, the first contract was three. Mm-hmm. Me and Bonnie and June. <clears throat> but then soon after, because the, what we did with that Atlantic Records deal, when we did the recordings, we took it back to San Francisco and our manager threw it across the room up against the wall <laughs> and yeah. broke it to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> pulled the tapes out <laughs> it was real the real he said uh-uh <laughs> this is not what I want you guys to do because we got down there we had songs that we had written songs that we took down there and they laughed in our face and told us black girls can't sing this kind of stuff you have oh to gosh. sing hard because we had a country song a jazz song mm-hmm, with, you know mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm, with Taj Hall and you know different mm-hmm. stuff but they said
0: no you got to sound like the Jackson 5 or the honeycombs. Mm -hmm. How did you respond to that, right? I mean, that's so offensive saying that you can't be you.
2: We stood there and looked sad.
0: (laughs) 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 Wasn't there anything
2: else we could do? They laughed in our faces. We stand in there singing to them some of these songs and they just started laughing. Well, right, well, because I, I they believe that Black Very humiliating. I couldn't believe yeah. they would do that to us. I couldn't yeah, believe actually, it. Was
1: really... Bonnie had an interesting yeah. reply, cool. too, when they said, uh, you've got to decide what genre you want to sing. What do you got to uh-huh. say? And Bonnie's response was, we, we, we have decided.
2: Right. We, we, we want to sing everything. <laughs> right. We want to sing
1: everything. And I think uh-huh. that's, that's the challenge, I think, you know, uh, uh, for a lot of young people. People coming up now, they're, they're being forced to choose a genre.
0: Mm-hmm. They're being
1: yeah. put into a box and saying, you got
2: to
0: Well, and you had an intersectional box, right? Because it's the box because of race and it's the box because of sex. I mean, yes. you, you, on, on both fronts, this is what you can't do. And this is what we're telling you that you, so how did you all navigate that? Did you have, you know, huddle where you sort of huddled together and you <laughs> said, all right, this is how we're going to do it. Or did you say, okay, well, we want to get our foot in the door and keep our foot in the door. So this is how we'll do it. How did you come to the decision about how you'd move forward after that?
2: We just really trying to think of what did we do? We really, uh found it in the music,
0: mm-hmm,
2: you mm-hmm. know, when we wanted to move forward or do something to impress the, the, the people of the world. And mm-hmm. we found that in our music. And,
1: um, and I think David that Rubinson, to,
2: David Rubinson was a great starter for us. He just made everything so wonderful. And he protected us too from all the
0: craziness that's out in this entertainment world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us he about that, that relationship. What, what, what did that, How did that form? Who is he what did he do david mm-hmm. david rubinson bonnie and june
2: were well let's see bonnie and june had was doing some backup singing with this guy named Ma- michael takamatsu in san francisco and he took a tape into david rubinson's office he turned bonnie and june on to david rubinson and david uh played the tape and he liked B- bonnie and june's backup singing but he didn't like Michael's singing, so he but he gave <laughs> Bonnie a, he gave Bonnie a card of his and me and Bonnie and June went to Texas. And uh this was God, was this before this was before the Atlantic deal. Yeah, before the Atlantic deal, because we hadn't sang with Ellen Bishop yet. Me and Bonnie and June, I met this guy who said he knew all, he knew all these people in Texas that could get us started and we wanted to sing. And this was like between the choir and nothing, you know, yeah. a new job, i worked at another company. But let's see, so.
1: you Went to Houston.
2: We went, we, yeah, we went to Texas, got stranded in Texas and Bonnie just happened to have David Rubinson's card in her purse. Wow. And we said, well, we, it won't hurt to try. You know, we tried everybody else, every <laughs> other friend we know, including mama. And mother told us, I'll get, mother said, I'll get my baby June home, but you and Anita are better get home on your own. You and Bonnie better get home on your own. So we were kind of stuck there and staying in a horrible place with this girl that we had just met because... We were stranded. This guy that we went to Texas with uh, abandoned us. Oh my God. He got mad because I think he had other plans for us in Texas.
0: And you didn't we, have those plans. You didn't uh-huh. share those plans.
2: No, we said, we are, you are not going to tell us what to do. <laughs> you yes. thought he could boss us around. No. <laughs>
0: Crazy, fool.
2: So he put us out and we oh did know gosh. him he was from he was from there from houston his his mother lived there his sister lived there and instead of him goes to go out and go see at other places he put us out
0: oh my gosh so and so we've got the real dog so, we've got the car. so
2: david yeah we called david said he can't hurt you know he can't hit us but it just answered the phone and he agreed to get us back to oakland and he sent tickets for me bonnie and june mm-hmm. and we left Texas and got back to Oakland and as soon as we got back he started booking us as backup singers that's when his backup singing really started
0: mm-hmm. with David look
2: at that he got, us, he got us jobs with the uh, sun bear with yeah. elvin bishop and cold blood and
0: all these different san francisco artists he he was the one that got he us really on. got you all started which then led mm-hmm. to you being able to get your first major contract yeah. and you know Anita. Yeah, he the-
2: rescued us from a horrible situation in texas right. wow, he really did he rescued us it was really bad mm-hmm.
0: isn't that interesting that synergy um the the fact that that all came together in that way the serendipity of it yeah. It's amazing. You know, I'm telling you, it made me really. It was the best time yeah. of our lives. You know? Audience, I am holding this oh. book in my hand and it just feels so magical. You have to go to our website and look at the cover of this book and you will see exactly what you heard Fritz and Anita talking about in terms of their yeah. individuality. And it's working. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and, and what's interesting yeah. is the individuality comes out and it's also seamless. Oh. You know, you're not wearing the same things, but it looks so in harmony. That's amazing. yeah. Anita, on the very first page of the memoir, you write, we were thrust into the dizzying world of show business with no professional training other than singing in the choir at our father's church. Not only that, we knew nothing about royalties, songwriting credits, Mm. or management fees. So Mm. what... Was it like entering that music industry and then having to learn? Tell us about what did you learn and what would be your advice to people who are coming up, just like you were.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, my phone started ringing. <clears throat> what would it be to? For yeah, people so you didn't up? have
0: you didn't have all that experience, and so I wonder what was that like? What were the things that you had mm-hmm. to learn? And then we'll get to what advice you have for others. So, so you didn't know any of those things. Um, did you have experiences where you're like, I wish we right. had known we that. Didn't... Yeah. Well, I've, well people well,
1: helped, like, in... uh, you know, Taj Mahal, for example, told them they should get certain kinds of arranging credits and stuff.
2: <coughs> he <laughs> sure did. And he so was the first people... one to tell us. We, we had been doing backup singing with a lot of groups and we, they we, they get us in the studio and they say, now listen to this song. Now, what would you sing behind it? Mm. And me and Bonnie and June, would create the background parts. And we were good at it too. And, but only we got paid for singing. We would Mm -hmm. create them and sing them.
0: Right, (laughs) but you were actually doing arranging.
2: Yeah, arranging and writing. Taj Mahal was the first one to tell us that, you know, you guys deserve credits on this because you do more than just sing the songs, you're creating, you know, you're you're arranging the vocals. Arranging, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm yeah, yeah. But that ownership, that,
1: uh, the ownership of music comes later, I think, Anita, uh, in terms of uh, recognizing the need to, uh, to uh, own, your publishing. own your publishing, you
2: know. Yeah, things game. like you know, that.
0: So when yeah. did you learn about that? They don't tell that? you that. So, so yeah. when, when did you learn about that, that you had to, you know, own your own music? I guess I
2: learned about it when... Um, I was with Sonny Burke, and he taught me a lot of stuff about the music industry. He had been in it for a long time. And,
1: and Sonny Burke um, is
2: who? A pianist. He was Smokey Robinson's musical director, okay. and he was the he was the assistant producer on the Pointer Sisters' "Having a Party" album. Mm. He produced that with Dave with uh, Richard Perry. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah.
0: And so that's yeah. something then that <laughs> that ends up coming out where you learn. I But I imagine that there are a lot of women, perhaps a lot of, you know, a lot of black musicians, black women, musicians who did that not don't know. know. Just yeah. Don't know.
2: I mean, right. they be, and a lot of these corporations, they'll pay you off and you be a ghostwriter, you get paid, but mm-hmm. they take all the credit. Mm-hmm. You know, the They're artists true. will take all the credit and you don't have anything to back, back you up on it because you signed a deal that, i'm a ghost,
1: you know yeah you know it's hard michelle particularly when you're coming out, like i said we came out of a poor circumstance you know and beginning to uh, make a living and make money you know mm-hmm. you're, you're glad to be able to you know to sustain yourself and you're not thinking so much of the future investment you're just you know just right trying to survive you know and mm-hmm. and, and the managers and
0: producers day to day yeah, they they kind of and they exploit know. people. I mean, oh, there are yeah. people who oh, are, you yeah. know, very famous, had hits, and then you find out that you know they died homeless.
2: That's right, sort of exactly. Exactly. You know, like all right. And that's that's something that, that's something something has, that happens all you know, the time. Anita you know, has but, songs
1: that she's written that she can't collect on for what 20 years or something, oh.
2: it started off as 57 years. when wow. I wrote them and I published them back in the 70s. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now it's coming to where I think I just have a few more years and I can recoup (laughs) my publishing on those songs.
0: That's amazing. So there is a way in in which you're still caught in that. All right. So I do want to get back slightly to this political, but I'm going to let that go for a bit because President Obama used your record. Yes, we can can during his presidential campaign in 2008 um and there's so much more there you really the the mold breaking and then there comes this time in the 70s and the 80s where the pointer sisters are everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. everybody's so excited about the pointer sisters and whatnot so when is it that you reach that magical space and what comes with the magic right because there's a lot of work to get to that space Mm -hmm. where you're on the top of everybody's mind and on the tip of their tongues. But what are the costs of fame
2: Mm, mm, mm. Oh
0: boy! I know we're getting deep now. Well,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Well, Being away yeah. from your family, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, that's that's a big part. Uh, that's that. a real,
2: real sacrifice.
1: That's a real sacrifice
2: to sure leave is. home and have your baby mm. crying. Don't go, mommy! Don't go. Mm-hmm, you Got to mm-hmm. go to the airport, and you're not making enough money to take them with you. Right. Now, right. these other groups, these white groups, they they have money. They're with the record companies, and make and take their husbands, the kids, and everybody on the road with them because they were giving them (laughs) enough money to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They don't do that with black acts. You have to work your way through everything. Yes. yes, Oh, God. Even when you're selling the record. So
0: even as you are, your name is everywhere, but you're not getting Mm -hmm. money, and you're not getting the paid what the white artists Mm -hmm. are being paid.
2: Oh, no, no, never. Mm -hmm. No, we're not, you know, and it's a shame. Mm-hmm. Getting, getting, that,
1: that, getting that top building is hard. You know, there are some real yeah. t- traumatic times that are mentioned in the book, even their first appearance at Las Vegas. I think it was the first, Anita, when June wouldn't come out of the dressing room.
0: Tell us yeah, about that, that. Las tell Las us Vegas. about that. I
2: was thinking about that too, because that's another place where we're pushed into these rooms down the hall. <laughs>
0: Describe that other acts, I, won't, I
2: won't name any other acts, but when they come in, they get a villa beautiful villa but we didn't get that even though we were headlining at Caesar's Palace wait
0: so so for the audience so the so that the audience cuz I'm holding the book and I'm feeling magic in my hands you all <laughs> But for those of you who haven't yet read the book, and I know you're gonna rush out and get it because they're winning all sorts of awards about this book. It is so powerful. Mm. So you're headlining. It is wonderful. It is. So it's absolutely (laughs) wonderful. Thank you for your
1: endorsement of it, Michelle. Hey, well, of course. course. Uh,
0: Thank you so much. Of course, of course. course. So you (laughs) all are headlining in Vegas. And Vegas, of course, <laughs> had its race history, too, and Frank Sinatra and, oh, yeah. you know, oh, getting yeah. involved in that. Mm. And so tell us about your headlining, but you're not getting the uh, comforts of headlining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Well, we didn't even know it because we they, they were the rooms they always gave us, but they were always the rooms at the end of the hall. They were nice, big suites. With horrible yeah. wallpaper <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of the hall, <laughs> that wallpaper screams at you:
0: "Get out and gamble! Get out of the room! <laughs> right, and right, gamble. right, exactly!" <laughs> and meanwhile, but, white acts that aren't even headlining are being provided villas
2: mm, and other. Yeah. Kinds I don't of know
0: treatment. that, but I'm talking about those who were headlining. Okay, yeah.
2: just like we were headlining. Those right, are the but ones you're I not getting. We didn't get headlining. the villas. You know, June. we didn't get that. We, we never had a deal. And why was it that our, June didn't want to come out? Just nerds, It was our very Nerd. first time there, our very first time in Vegas. And she was just nervous and tired, stressed, exactly. tired and stressed. Yeah, because we were working so hard. We had, hard... uh, had just come back from,
1: we just come back from Midham in uh, France. Uh, meet him, uh, yeah. Meet him, Okay. Yeah. From France. In the south and, of France. It was like, a, three and a half, four week grueling tour uh, day after day after day. And uh, June was just exhausted, you know, she had gone Mm -hmm. through this terrible traumatic Mm -hmm. experience uh, not long before of being, you know, well, being raped in Oakland uh, Mm -hmm. by these guys. And that that, that traumatized her for the rest of her life.
2: Yeah, she never got over
1: it. Never got over it. Never got over it, and uh, so she began to, you know, try a little self-medication. But uh, the, the doctors uh, first got her on these hard, hard meds, these hard uh, drugs, until mother, mm-hmm. until she was like in a zombie-like state. This is again just prior to their, uh, you know, advent into the career world. Uh, uh, but she was like in a zombie-like state, and mother went over and said, "Hey, I'm taking my baby home."
2: Mm-hmm. And she
1: took them out. She took her out of the hospital. And brought her home and I was there at the time and I know mother bathed her and washed her and took her Mm -hmm. to movies and held her hand and sang to her and
0: I'm sorry, Fritz. Yeah, this this, is, this is the backdrop. So as part of the added texture of a group that's bringing such joy and life to an audience. The backdrop is also the kind of suffering, you know, and enduring things like, you know, the, the, the rape sexual assault against June and the family and the group having to deal with that. So, I mean, that's attention. you know, they, they say the show must go on, they must get to the stage, but the audience Mm -hmm. doesn't always know just how traumatic what's going on in someone's Mm -hmm. life to get you to the stage. So did June get to the stage?
1: No, mother had to come and pick Mm -hmm. her up in a private plane she mm-hmm. wouldn't come yeah. out of her room she wouldn't
2: go she wouldn't go on stage she so. not we stage. had to redo our whole show with three mm-hmm. with me and Ruthie and Bonnie we had to redo the show because it was all choreographed and everything you know mm-hmm. so we yeah. just re, we just did it
0: and you know yeah. we're talking about the challenges behind the music Oh, yeah. And, you know, the things that folks encounter, this is what we get to learn from the book and more. So I'm glad that you're willing to share uh, these experiences with us. And you, you know, you talked mm-hmm. about Anita, how hard it can be to leave your child behind, mm-hmm. because you don't have the money to be able to take your child on tour with you or anybody mm-hmm. else. What are some of the other kinds of challenges that you found while everybody's celebrating your music, but behind the scenes, you all are having to deal with things.
1: Let well, me, things just, like, go I'm ahead. going, Fritz. No, go go on, <laughs> oh, I, I was just gonna, well, there are two things I've had come right to mind, and that one is uh, the uh, the event when they first did their first uh, public appearance at this club, I think it was called Bimbos. And uh, and and the and the and the band members, a couple of the band members, if not all of them, but a couple of for sure, uh, had on full Ku Klux Klan regalia. No, in their very first public appearance. I mean, it's like in San
2: Francisco. I mean, San Francisco. This was not Mississippi audience. Yeah, right. Liberal San San Francisco. Francisco
1: with the band members in Ku Klux Klan. And here they are on stage like for Billie Billy holidays. And it was like-
2: Yeah, we could have been singing Strange Fruit. <laughs> you
0: could have been. I'm telling you. They're
2: coming out they playing with Ku Lu- Klux Klan uniform. That was just yes, so and what, what for?
0: To
1: intimidate so, them, to frighten them, to, to hopefully- make them, evil. Them, just mm-hmm. evil, 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 evil. The second one I want to mention is the, the, the event at- um, uh, the uh, the uh, Grand Ole Opry when they mm-hmm. uh, were told when well, they were met with signs saying keep country white, basically, keep country country, keep country white. And they were met with these signs mm-hmm. protesting when they were the first. Yeah, met.
0: before they we
2: went them. in
1: perform at the grand Ole opry and that's, yeah. that's how you get welcomed to the grand Ole opry right? So, right. <laughs> so
0: so repeat that again fred so so they were the first first black female first group? Black
1: female group to ever perform ever at perform grand at, at the, the
2: grand Ole opry Yeah,
1: first and And
2: the (laughs) last, and the first black female group to ever get a Grammy for a country for a
1: country song.
0: Here we go, and there it was. These folks saying that you're not supposed to, you're not allowed to sing country music. You're not
2: country. You're you're not not country, and you are the
0: first black female group to win a Grammy in country. I mean, when I
2: wrote "Fairytale," it wasn't I didn't sit down and say I'm going to write a country song. Mm -hmm. I just started writing a song. Right. And it came out country because I'm country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were born in Arkansas, so we grew let's be up clear. in a country
2: church. Country, you know, that's right. That. That's right.
1: That's yeah, right. No shame in right that. No not shame. Not shame. Life, I love
2: no, the country anyway. No.
1: I was I, I was I was really happy that they also, Michelle, perpetuated uh, the only classical music of America, and that is jazz to me. Yes. That, that classical yeah. music that, uh, right. my sisters, that my sisters, you know, perpetuated that in their early days, mm-hmm. with, uh, mm-hmm. singing the Ellington medleys and singing Duke mm-hmm. Ellington and uh you know Dizzy Gillespie and uh and mm-hmm. those uh, giant uh you know uh, jazz musicians and they came out mm-hmm. singing that, that cloud burst and yeah. uh, what what is it? what's some of the other cloud burst and uh salt uh, peanuts salt peanuts oh my god <laughs> Michelle I would I challenge any group today
2: <laughs> to, to,
1: sing, get, to that song. <laughs> sing that song I, I mean, know. Just, I mean it's, it's such a challenge, you know, and to hear Anita talk about how they learned the song, you know, methodically, uh-huh. day after day, adding a little bit more and adding a little bit more and, until they got it down pat and boom, here we go. I was and and i didn't, always, really
2: <laughs> I mean, all yeah. of them are really grateful that we kept that genre of music alive, you know? Yeah. John Hendrix, he came and saw us and he cried. Um, uh uh-huh. Ro- yeah. Annie Ross Annie same Ross. thing with her she was just so thrilled that we did the songs mm-hmm. it is the original yeah. American
0: music isn't it oh yeah I and mean, it really yeah. is but many people so what many people came to see in the 70s and 80s especially in the 80s a lot of pop music oh, so, yes. so so tell us about then the 80s and had that become economically better and did you ah. see that once you once there was greater economic stability did some of the challenges still remain or did they lift a little bit and then we'll get to i'm so excited and some of those songs that just people have swimming <laughs> in their heads yeah yeah. So, um, did it get better in the '80s economically? I think economically? That's
1: when, uh, Richard Perry uh, is involved, right, Anita?
0: Yes,
2: it is. When we started doing um, the fire, the energy album with Fire, Fire was our very first gold single. Okay. Because with all the albums we did with David Rubinson, we never had a gold single. We had gold albums, uh-huh. but we didn't have a gold single. And gold single made such a difference because I Tell mean, us kids why. about. Kids will buy singles, you know, right? <laughs> Adults will buy albums, but right. kids bought singles, and it really just propelled us into a whole nother level when we had that hit with Fire
0: with mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Springsteen's Fire. That was really a cool thing,
0: yes, and and, and that is, and I'm hearing it right now. Fire, y'all. yes, burn and burn, <laughs> <laughs> right. and then, you know, and Michelle. Like that, that was another challenge,
1: soul. too, uh, because uh, they were also told black girls don't sing rock and roll.
0: Exactly. Right. I yeah. mean you, you well, you can't do country.
1: You can't do rock and but roll. Look at you...
0: that. And you were just about to give us a little bit of fire, Anita. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. Didn't you? You heard me. <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: riding in yeah. your car. You turn on the radio. You're pulling me close. Mm-hmm. I just say no. I say I don't like it, but you know I'm a liar. Cause when we kiss
0: fire. Yeah. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so and, 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 and much. And Michelle, <laughs> and Michelle,
1: the other one, it became what they call like a female national anthem. Slow hand. Slow yes.
0: Hands. I know. oh, oh okay. Uh,
1: a whole lot of women trembling about that. Okay,
0: I know. I know. I I was wondering if Anita would give us a little bit of slow hand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) As the midnight moon
2: was drifting through the lazy sway of the trees, I saw the look in your eyes looking into mine, seeing what you wanted to see. Darling, don't say a word, because I already heard what your body's saying to mine. I'm tired of fast moves. I've got a slow groove on my mind. Oh, yeah. I want a man with a slow hand. I want a lover with an easy touch. I want somebody who will spend some time not come and go in a heated rush. (laughs) I want somebody who will understand When it comes to love, I want a slow hand.
0: Yeah. Woo! That's well, the truth.
2: You, you <laughs> guys are truth. amazing. You know, I, I, I was
1: trying my little harmony, and I couldn't get in there. I was trying. <laughs> I
0: wasn't even on trial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you I guys, are I mean, behind the harmony.
1: Uh, and then, Michelle, oh, the, way they, the way they uh, you know, stand on stage, again, is according to, uh, I guess, what do you call it? When you sing soprano or tenor or bass? Because, uh, huh? They it they, they, well, they have a name for that, I thought, you know. But anyway, uh, they, you know, Ruth sings the low notes, Anita's next, and then comes Bonnie, and then June sings the high notes.
2: So it, it just kind of worked, worked out organic. No, it was really Ruth, Bonnie, then oh. me, and oh. then June.
1: And then June. Oh. I
2: sang higher than Bonnie. I was above Bonnie. Oh, were you?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, you right. the brother, something there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bonnie had one of those parts. You got four part harmony. You got to kind of filter in on. And Bonnie was so gifted, so talented with doing that. Oh, Sometimes man. she would be singing higher than me. But as a rule, I had the soprano. Rock, rock, uh, June had the top soprano.
1: Uh Uh-huh. You had a contralto song. And
2: Bonnie had an alto
0: Alto. and Ruth had the bass.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about
0: the successes then, right? Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about in terms of the path-breakingness, the Grammys and whatnot? talk about
2: what now yeah your grammy
0: so so what have you won grammys for like the successes that that came about from your music right you know yeah i'm thinking about the grammy for you know for the country music and so much more right that people don't necessarily associate or know
1: Maybe she should talk a little bit about participation and things like "We Are the World." Yes,
0: yes, exactly. That was huge too.
2: That was, yes. good.
0: that was absolutely what a night.
2: Huge. What a night. Spending <laughs> the night at A and M Studios, and the sign at the door said, "Leave your egos at the door."
0: <laughs> you know, people may not in. remember that.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, but there was a night of this, you know everybody you could: Stevie Wonder, Harry Belafonte. Quincy Jones, Tina Turner, Michael Jackson, Lionel Uh, Richie, you know, uh, and I got a chance to spend the night with all these fabulous men.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's amazing to think about just those enormous and impactful successes. Yes, Fritz.
1: Yeah, and you know, Michelle, what comes to mind too is their refusal to play South Africa. Because sometimes you sacrifice too. You say, "Hey, uh,
2: the money—the money is good. The money is good." So you know, and we're hot now. So let's Mm -hmm. go, regardless Mm -hmm. of what they've done to my
0: people. That is not cool at all. And so you all made those those decisions as well that there (laughs) were going to be places that you would refuse to play, no matter what What money. Yes, (laughs) I'm telling you. If oh, yeah. I was out of the country, I might
2: refuse to play in United States.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there are people <laughs> thinking about those decisions, you know. It's uh, so wrong. Everything needs to change. They need to scrap it and start all over again. Well, you know, this. this oh, is interesting, God. too, because... You know, the backdrop, what these times mean, you know, January 6th, we saw the insurrection at the nation's capital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've had, we were in the backdrop of of not only that tragic killing of George Mm -hmm. Floyd, but also Breonna Taylor and just lists of people, Mm -hmm. you know, but just all the way
2: from Trayvon Martin to that Rodney King. Absolutely.
0: All of that. And (laughs) so many. In thinking about your refusal to play in South Africa, you know, I'm thinking about Laura Ingram, who is a a television personality, who told LeBron James that he should quote, shut up and dribble dribble, after he spoke about the challenges that come with being black in America, right? Right, And it seems to me that you all made, even though you were, entertaining, you were bringing um, such great music to people. You were also making important political points as well. And that's what we also get from your music. Before we wrap up, because this has gone by way too quickly, um, way too quickly, um, but I, you know, I also want to ask about loss because there's also been loss over time too. And how have you dealt with loss? Because the Pointer Mm -hmm. Sisters, you started off as four. And so, and over time, you've had sisters who've passed away. So Mm -hmm. how has that been?
2: Oh, very hard. It started off with the loss of my daughter my only child, and that was that whole decade from 2000 when my mom died, 2003, my daughter died, 2006, my sister died, and it just, that whole decade was just horrible, just really, really, really bad. And um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been now 18 years since my daughter died which but I'm know. still thinking about it every single day. I cry a lot about her. I miss her so, so much. And the same with my sisters. I miss them, especially. Right now, it's kind of focused on Bonnie because it's so fresh. She—yesterday was her anniversary of her death. Mm-hmm. She died June the eighth, twenty twenty.
1: That's right. That's that's her picture back there, by the way, Michelle. Yeah, I, what a her beautiful, 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 beautiful <laughs> image. My baby's
2: my baby sister. God, I love her, and we. It's not easy. You know, I have to find new ways to do things because we were doing so much together. and mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole different way of thinking about things now when I don't have her here and her to uh, bounce things off of and can't call her. And, you know, we have gotten really, really close. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and you know, you still, said, uh, Lizzie's, Lizzie's dad, whom you know well, and we mm-hmm. both know well, who were with him uh, in his last hours and minutes actually wrote poems for each of those uh deaths
2: wrote he a, poem sure for, did.
1: a poem for my mother uh wrote a poem mm-hmm. for june and uh, mm-hmm. wrote a beautiful poem, wrote a
2: poem for, for jada, jada. Yeah, yeah every time i read it i cry
1: That's every yeah it's a beautiful poem so beautiful uh people will enjoy that uh too about the book in terms of its variety of the photos fantastic. the photos are, mm-hmm. yes.
0: the photos yeah, are absolutely photos, amazing <laughs> in the book they are absolutely I mean, that, great I, and, and this, this picture of bonnie on the cover of jet yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh yes yeah, yeah no that's that's on. that's some yeah. power there
1: and by the way it Michelle can I mention too that uh, along with uh, our, our our stellar congress people like uh, Barbara Lee and Ron Dellums uh, Kamala mm-hmm. Harris uh, uh, also attended our father's church
0: Yes yes yeah
1: we just found out about sure. uh, Yeah we're we're hoping that she learned yeah. Learn some lessons there.
0: Yes, yes. We're so. <laughs> After this trip
1: to uh, Guatemala and telling the Guatemalans to stay home. Oh, I know. I know that, that was
2: kind of crude. Uh, I don't, they said they're going to try to work and giving them reason to not want to go.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Say, and if that can happen, that would be ideal, of course. Yes, so that means taking some of the jobs down there and mm-hmm. instead of sitting on the Thailand. Wow! Yeah, so wherever, that's right. Wherever they've been. been so much of too.
0: your music. Not
2: Thailand, I love Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot.
0: <laughs> so much of your music has been about liberation and about uplift and liberation yes. for people of color, liberation for women, women of color, Black women. Um, and one just can't help but celebrate that um, in the book. Uh, one can't help but just notice all of the awards that you've won: 1981 Grammy Pop Performance for a Duo or a Group, 1982 R&B Performance Duo or a Group, 1982 Pop Performance Duo or a Group, mm-hmm. R&B 86 uh, Best Pop Performance for a Duo or a Group, 1975 oh. Country Music Performance by Duo or a Group. Uh, 1985 vocal arrangements for two or more voices, 1985 pop performance by duo or a group, and so much more. I mean, there are accolades that you all are just shy about, but I want to lift them out to the world and to (laughs) our readers. Thank you. you, Oh, absolutely. Got to drop the coins. Thank Um, Thank you. And I think one of the highlights of your memoir, which you don't see in a lot of memoirs, they give you just a taste of a few photos. But you know, audience, you get your hands on this book. And and page 176, through um, page 241, you get just wonderful, beautiful photos that mark the the, Mm -hmm. that show the family that show them on the Mm -hmm. stage. Uh, And you get a chance to see how you can be Yes, in church, um, how you can be collective and individual at the same time. I mean, I think that there are more books within this book yet to be written just in terms of how so yeah, many right women today, write. One, they say, you know, they struggle from imposter syndrome, they wonder, you know, how they can Uh, be the fullness of themselves and so much more. So I'm hoping we have another conversation about all of this. But before we close the last question, which we ask all of our guests uh, is about a silver lining. Mm. And uh, we are celebrating and recognizing Juneteenth. We're excited about it. We are celebrating the Pointer Sisters. And I'm just wondering what you see as silver linings coming forward from Arkansas to Oakland and around the whole world. I'll start with you Fritz, what's a silver lining coming forward? Um, Well, Michelle, for me,
1: I'm hoping that the industry will be more open and receptive to artists in a variety of genres that they will not limit artists uh, and, and box them in. I'm hoping that they'll be more receptive to them. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, thinking now of this uh, young black female saxophonist by the name of Jasmine Ghent and I'm also uh, thinking of this new uh, country western singer uh, who uh, uh, who did this song, Black Like Me, I think mm-hmm.
0: is what it's called. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, she's one. wonderful. Yeah,
1: yes. and so I'm hoping that they will open up more and be more receptive to the variety that people bring to the industry and not just be so close-minded and restrictive and, uh, and, and try to lock people into one particular. I think it was Herbie Hancock who said that, you know, to limit artists to one ex- mode of expression is a crime. Yes. And I think so too. I think, you know, to limit artists to just one mode mm-hmm. of expression is criminal. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. and I also think, like Nietzsche, who said that uh, life without music would be a mistake. Yes. I'll yes. say, yes.
2: I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine the time. I mean, oh my God. I so no that? Even silver
1: linings, <laughs> my silver lining be more open and less racist.
2: Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: And for you, Anita, silver lining going forward? Well,
2: I think that at least we're now beginning to see a vague closeness to the silver lining because people are opening up and telling the truth. Mm. And um, that's been needed for so long. I mean, when I watched that thing about the Tulsa massacre, and, and they said nobody talked about it. Mm -hmm, even the ones who lived in Tulsa he said I went to school in Tulsa and I didn't hear nothing about it in school Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those kind of things that are hidden from this whole culture in America that they're so great they rescued everybody rescued the Indians from (laughs) this sad they were savages and we
0: rescued them no they need Mm -hmm. the truth guests and listeners that's it for today's episode of on the issues with michelle goodwin i want to thank my guests anita and fritz pointer for joining us and being part of this critical and insightful conversation and to our listeners i thank you for tuning in for the full story we hope you join us again for our next episode where we will be reporting rebelling and telling it like it is with special guests talking about the sex talk you wish you got from your parents sex ed 101 birth control periods, and more. We'll be joined by Kelly Davis, Dr. Fatu Forna, I'm such a fan, Mary Emily O'Hara, and Jennifer Weiss-Wolf. It will be an episode you will not want to miss. For more information about what we discussed today, head to MsMagazine.com. If you believe, as we do, that women's voices matter, that equality for all persons cannot be delayed, and that rebuilding America, being unbought and unbossed and reclaiming our time are important, then be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to On the Issues with Michelle Goodwin in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We are ad-free and listener reader, support it. Help us reach new listeners and bring the hard-hitting content you've come to expect by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Let us know what you think about our show. So please support independent feminist media. Look for us at MsMagazine.com for new content and special episode updates. And if you want to reach us to recommend guests for our show or topics you want to hear about, write to us at ontheissues@mizmagazine.com. This has been your host, Michelle Goodwin, reporting, rebelling, and telling it like it is on the issues. With Michelle Goodwin is a Ms. Magazine joint production. Kathy Spiller and Michelle Goodwin are our executive producers. Our producers for this episode are Roxy Zoll and Mariah Lindsay. We thank Oliver Hogg for research and digital assistance. The creative vision behind our work includes art and design by Brandy phipps Editing by Will Alvarez and Marsh Allen and music by Chris J. Lee. Stephanie Wilner provides executive assistance.